uh, when we were living up on the north coast, I decided to take Jacob to go and see the good old Balmain Tigers before the amalgamation had taken place. Uh, go and see them play in Brisbane against the Brisbane Broncos. It was at ANZ Stadium. Jacob was probably around about nine years old. Now, I have to say, it's rather a daunting thing to walking into a, a ground where the Broncos are playing. There's an awful lot of Broncos supporters there, and there weren't terribly many Tiger supporters. I think the crowd was something in the order of 40,000 people, and my rough guess was that there were probably about 15 of us who were there supporting the Tigers. Well, that's, what it, that's certainly what it felt like anyway. Um, to make matters worse, uh, the Tigers got completely thumped. It was 42 points to 10 at the end of the game. Um, I'd bought Jacob a, a Tigers cap to wear uh, during the game, but on the way out of the ground, I thought it might be helpful to take the cap off and put it into our bag so that we didn't have to own up to being Tigers supporters. Now, I mention all of this because feeling seriously outnumbered is what stands at the very heart of the passage that we're looking at today, these parables in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking with his disciples about what it means to be a part of the kingdom that he has come to establish. And sometimes being a part of that kingdom, well, it may actually be a lonely feeling and you may actually feel somewhat outnumbered. Now, we're going to look at three parables this morning, but they're three parables that all start with exactly the same words. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he goes on to tell a parable that just gives you one glimpse, one aspect of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because it's important for his disciples to know what the kingdom is that they are a part of. What Jesus says to his his disciples is also important for us to understand as well, because we're part of that kingdom. See, if you and I are going to be a part of the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish, then you've got to know what it is that you're a part of. You've got to know what it is that you've joined in with. But before we can look at these parables, we've got to understand what Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven. It can sound like one of those kind of really religious terms that you're really not exactly sure what it means. The term goes right back to the very pages of the Old Testament. God made promises to Abraham that he would raise up a nation who would be God's own people. And we see that as the story of Israel and as Israel grows in the pages of the Old Testament. But the kingdom that God came wasn't just going to be one ethnic group, not one nationality. Ultimately, it would be a kingdom that would include all the nations. Everybody could come and be a part of this kingdom. God's plan was that all the nations would form this kingdom. One of the places that you see that really clearly in the pages of the Bible is in the Christmas story. So you've got these wise men who come from the east, They've come from miles and miles away because they are bringing their gifts to the new king, to the king of this international kingdom that is now being established, made up even of wise men who've travelled from way over in the Middle East. The kingdom that Jesus came to establish isn't one that's bound by geography. It's not limited to one place. The kingdom is wherever you acknowledge Jesus as king. See, we sit here this morning declaring ourselves to be members of that kingdom. That if you have your trust in Jesus, if you claim him as your king, then you're a part of the kingdom. 
You're a part of the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish. Now, the whole of Matthew chapter 13 is devoted to talking about what this kingdom is like. Jesus starts the chapter by telling the parable of the sower, different seeds that get sown, how the kingdom is ultimately established. And he finishes this chapter by talking about judgment, which will be the day on which the kingdom is ultimately and finally established. But it's the three parables in the middle that I want to have a look at, because Jesus tells us three important things about the kingdom that we're a part of. The first parable is the one that starts there in verse number 24, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Jesus says that the kingdom will be like a wheat field that has been planted and someone has got in there and planted weeds in the kingdom as well, or in the paddock as well. So what's the farmer going to do? If he looks out and he sees that there are these weeds growing up amongst the wheat, what will he do? Well, the workers, they want to get in there and pull those weeds out. Let's get rid of them so that they don't get in the way of the wheat. But the farmer says, well, you can't really do that because you'll tread all over the wheat when you get in there to do it. So what we'll do is we'll leave it and it'll all get sorted out at the harvest. Now, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was talking about with this parable. And thankfully, he actually gives them an explanation. And the explanation comes a little further down, verse number 36 in the passage that you've got in front of you. Jesus explains what this parable is about. The wheat, Jesus says, are the Christians, those who are sons of the kingdom, those who belong to the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish. The weeds are those outside of the kingdom, those who are possibly even opposed to what it is that God is doing in the world. But the wheat and the weeds will exist side by side, Jesus says, right until the very end. You can't actually separate them. In this age, the wheat and the weeds will grow together. They will grow that way until Jesus comes again to judge. Now, You've got to try and put yourself into the shoes of the disciples to really understand what this parable is about, don't you? Try and put yourself into their mindset. Jesus has come claiming to be the king, claiming to be the Messiah. Well, if Jesus has come to bring salvation and if he's come to establish the kingdom, then why is there so much opposition to him? Why is it that there are so many people who are opposed to what Jesus is doing? I mean, think about what the disciples have seen. They've seen Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, the King of God's kingdom. But the religious leaders are completely opposed to everything that Jesus says and does. In fact, turn back a chapter, Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. They're trying to kill Jesus. They're plotting to kill him. If Jesus is the King of God's kingdom, then how come there's so much opposition? Wheat and weeds, Jesus says. It's going to be like that till the end of the age, Jesus says. The wheat will continue to grow, but so will the weeds, and they will exist together in that paddock. Yes, the kingdom has come. Yes, you're part of the kingdom if you believe in Jesus. But the kingdom exists in a world where there will continue to be opposition. Now, can I say... That's still pretty relevant for us today, isn't it? I mean, it tells us about the world that we're living in. It tells us something about the struggles that we sometimes face as Christians. 
They may be struggles that you know all too well. It may be that you're the only Christian in your family and everyone else thinks you're a little bit weird because of the things that you do and the way that you handle yourself. It may be that you're the only Christian in your workplace and other people wonder why you behave the way that you do. Why don't you just join in with what they're doing? That may be difficult. It may be hard when the family that you have, those who are close to you, have very different attitudes and values about money or relationships or life in general. It can be very hard when your outlook is completely at odds with your workmates. It can be very hard when you face opposition for what it is that you believe. And if you're part of God's kingdom, Jesus says, well, be ready, wheat and weeds. There probably will be opposition to what you believe. You'll be encouraged to change your attitudes, to conform with what everybody else is doing. You'll be encouraged to think differently, to act differently, to speak differently. And Jesus says we need to be ready for that. So being a Christian doesn't remove you and put you in a whole other paddock where there's no weeds. In fact, sometimes being a Christian means that you actually just notice that there are lots of weeds around. Being a part of God's kingdom is not always going to be easy, Jesus says. Wheat and weeds. But the day will come when things will be put right. Look at what he says in verse number 43, chapter 13. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Now the very next parable, verse 31, uh, fits in with that. Have a look at what it says. Verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can perch in its branches. Mustard seeds really are quite tiny things. And that's one on the end of the finger there. I mean, they're just minuscule little things, aren't they? So when I was at Theological College, I worked on a wheat farm out in Forbes during our Christmas break. I used to go out there and help with harvest time and uh, driving trucks around and things. And um, the guy who owned the farm decided to experiment by growing a mustard crop. Now, he had to modify all of the harvesters and things so that he could actually harvest this crop. And we had to load the, the mustard into the wheat bins on the back of the truck. Now, as soon as they started loading the mustard in there, we realised there were all these tiny holes all around the truck that the wheat, the mustard was just pouring out. Uh, they weren't big enough for the wheat to get through, but they certainly were big enough for the mustard. So the two of us are running around with masking tape trying to tape up these holes so the crop just doesn't end up on the ground. I mean, they truly are tiny little seeds. But if you leave them grow, they can actually become quite a huge bush. They can actually end up three or four metres high. Starting from that tiny, tiny seed. Well, Jesus says that you're part of something that may look small and insignificant now, but just wait. Everyone will get to see just how big this kingdom will become. And again, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. At the time at which Jesus is saying this, there's 12 of them. I mean, can you seriously call that a kingdom? I mean, that's just, that's like a weekend away, isn't it? Like a, that's like a tiny group. It's not really a kingdom. 
hardly a very impressive one either, given the people that are in there. But it's important for the disciples to know that it wouldn't always be like that. The kingdom may have looked small from where they stood, but it would grow. I'm sure that this parable would have come to mind for them at Pentecost, when thousands of people decide that they're going to become a part of that kingdom as well. And the numbers continue to grow. They would have remembered what Jesus said, wouldn't they? Not a mustard seed anymore. That bush is now beginning to grow. And the Christians around our world today, well, the number's somewhere in the billions. But ultimately, Jesus had something further ahead in mind. He's pointing to the day when every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And again, this is an important thing for us to remember as well. So we live in a country today where it seems to be becoming less and less Christian every day. And if you claim to be a Christian in Australia, you're in a pretty small minority. I mean, less than 10% of the population would claim to be Christians or would be regularly involved in a church. So it can sometimes feel a little bit like that mustard seed, can't it? Sometimes the church can seem like a pretty insignificant group in our society. People can often look at the church and think that it's kind of meaningless and irrelevant. I mean, does it really have a point? Does it, should it still exist? But what they don't see is that it's that mustard seed. It's estimated that there are more Christians in China today than there are Christians in the United States of America and Europe combined. That mustard seed is growing pretty rapidly in some parts of the world. That mustard seed is continuing to grow. And that brings us to the last of our parables. Jesus says that being a part of the kingdom is the most valuable thing that you will ever have in your life. I don't know if you ever watched Antiques Roadshows on TV. Yeah, there's a few of us who are fans. I mean, it's the same thing every week, isn't it? You know, someone brings in some little bit of trash that they've had hidden away in their garage and they find out it's worth millions of dollars. I mean, it's lovely to watch though, isn't it? I saw this episode where this guy came in, not this particular episode, but a guy brought two silver jugs in that he had stashed away in, in a cupboard somewhere and found out that they were actually worth $10,000 each. I'm sure that they got put into a different place when he got back home with them. Um, But it's that extraordinary thing of finding that thing that is the amazing treasure. Well, that's exactly what Jesus says here. He doesn't use the words antique roadshow, but, but look at what it says, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Your relationship with God is the most valuable thing that you will ever have in this life. Being part of Jesus' kingdom is the smartest thing that you have ever done. And it's worth giving up everything for it. In fact, it's no contest. See, the pearl merchant doesn't say, you know, that's a really great pearl, but I've got a couple of other pretty nice ones at home, so I don't think I'll bother with that. 
Now, he recognizes that that is the thing that he's got to have. And it's worth selling everything else in order to have it. I'm sure the guy who bought that field, I bet he would have looked really silly to his neighbors. That he's actually giving up everything, selling everything to just buy that field? Seriously? But he knew what was in that field. And the kingdom of God is like that, Jesus says. It's worth giving up everything for. Again, it's not hard to see how this would have actually meant something to the disciples that Jesus is talking to. Think of it. Twelve of them standing around. They've left jobs. They've left comforts. They've left family to follow Jesus. And Jesus wants to reassure them that they've made the right choice. They may face opposition while the kingdom grows and the kingdom may look rather small and insignificant but it's the most valuable thing that they will ever have in their lives Jim Elliott was a missionary who uh, went to South America with five others uh, in, in about the 1950s or 60s they were ultimately killed by the particular group of people that they went in to work with in South America. But shortly before he died, he wrote this in his journal. He is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's really talking about the parable of the pearl, isn't he? I mean, he's saying that what he's got is more valuable than anything that he might try to hang on to in this life. Well, three short parables that all start with those same words, the kingdom of heaven is like. So which of those three do you think you need to hear most today? Which of those three parables... Do you think Jesus wants you to have a clearer grasp on here today? Is it the wheat and weeds? Is it that you face those struggles in your Christian life? Is it that you wonder why God allows such opposition? Do you struggle because you're the only Christian in your family? Do you struggle because you're the only Christian in your workplace? Do you sometimes wonder why it is that Christians suffer around our world simply for their faith in Jesus? Well, Jesus wants to say, it's wheat and weeds. Sadly, it's going to be like that until the end of the age. But the day will come when that comes to an end. Maybe it's the mustard seed. Maybe that's the thing, that being a part of a church... Well, it barely seems like a blip on the radar in this country. Well, we need to listen to what Jesus says. You're part of a kingdom, the likes of which this world cannot begin to comprehend. And the day will come when every knee will bow before Jesus. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Maybe your struggle is the pearl one. Maybe there are things that you value in this life above being a part of God's kingdom. Maybe you don't see it the same way as the pearl merchant, that you wouldn't be willing to give up everything in order to be a part of that kingdom. Maybe you haven't fully grasped what it is that God is offering you in his son Jesus. See, if you're part of that kingdom, 
It's the most valuable thing that you can ever have in your life. Nothing else that you have will ever compare to it. No matter what the cost of following Jesus, no matter what the cost of being a part of his kingdom, Jesus says, it's worth it. 